Welcome to The Conversation. I'm Joel here with my dad. And I'm Rick. Hey, glad you're here today. Dad, uh, you know, somewhere along the way, I think we all are told that loyalty is a really important trait in people. Like it's a really valuable, like a godly trait. I don't know where we got this. But the longer I live, um, I'm starting to think maybe loyalty is not a good trait. Well, it can actually be a vice if it's loyalty to the wrong thing. Can be. In yeah. fact, I, had, I was talking to a guy recently, uh-huh. young, younger guy, and um, he was telling me about how loyal he is to his boss. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, actually, it was, <laughs> it was actually a guy saying how loyal, I'm not going to pull punches. It was a guy talking about how loyal he was to the people in his church and to the, the, the board that, that he worked for at his church. So he's a pastor, right? And, uh, and he was like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just part of who I am. It's this loyalty that God's put in me. And I'm like, he was, it was kind of a bragging right for him, but I knew kind of the backstory of what's going on with his family. And I'm like, actually, bro, I think your loyalty is a vice in this case because your loyalty to your boss and the church and the elder board is causing your family to suffer. And I tend to believe they're the ones that deserve your greater loyalty. Yeah. Uh, then, and so I, I, I'm rethinking loyalty. Loyalty can often be the cause of a lot of, damage and hurt to people because we're so dead set on this loyalty being a virtue. Yeah. I start looking through the Bible. Loyalty is not any of the fruit of the spirit. No. (laughs) However, you don't see any statues of Benedict Arnold in the United States either, do you? Yeah, no, I guess not. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, let me, here's what I I look at this way. It's like loyalty is kind of a fluid uh, virtue and it's kind of like a chameleon. It becomes like its background. And what I mean by that is it's like if, it, if your loyalty is directed toward a virtuous person or a virtuous cause, then it's a virtue. Mm. But if it's directed toward a non-virtuous cause, you're loyal to the Nazi party. I'm loyal to the communist, uh, Chinese Communist Party. Then it's not a virtue. What about more innocuous things like loyalty to the church? I mean, that seems so noble. Like I'm right. a pastor. I'm loyal to the congregants. But well, your family's at home suffering. That's the other side of that. Then their loyalty in proper priorities is a virtue. So in other words, just like everything else, you know, if, the way I invest my time, if I'm investing my time in the, the proper priorities, it's a virtuous investment of time. So I, my number one priority is with the Lord. My number two priority is, you know, with my, my family, my, my wife, my kids, wife first, kids then ministry or job or whatever, and on down the line that goes. So if I'm investing uh, my loyalties in the right priorities, so first of all, if I'm investing in a virtuous cause, but then if I'm not letting that cause overwhelm the number one cause, right. number one thing. Which is why prioritizing is yeah. so important because you can end up, uh, you know, you can make the wrong sacrifice. Yeah, you, exactly. You see that with the story of Cain. It's like, he made a sacrifice, and God's like, no, nah, no, it's not going to work, buddy. Not acceptable. And then he's mad. Mm-hmm. And guys, like, well, what's the deal? And, and he says, hey, if you, Cain, why are you angry? If you if you do right, it will go well with you. But if you don't, sin is crouching at your door, which maybe that that element of how loyal could actually turn into a sin against someone you love if the priorities aren't right. If you don't value what God values, you make the wrong sacrifice. You're loyal to the wrong cause. Yeah, You can be the most sincere-hearted individual 
and and man, to even still get the results of, like same results as actual sin. Like that's that's tricky right there yeah. because you end up finding yourself sinning against people that you love, all in the name of loyalty. Right. You know, um, I, I think of you know Jesus didn't really demand loyalty when you think about it either. I mean, insecure leaders. We talked on another podcast about insecure leaders, and um, I, I think of two things. First of all, he didn't come up to Judas when he was washing his feet and say, "Judas, are you going to be loyal to me?" He washed his feet. He gave to him the same amount that he gave to all the other disciples. He treated him just the same, even though he knew Judas was disloyal. Yeah, he clearly knew Judas was. Yeah. I mean, it just, it said the verse says he, they knew who was skimming off the top. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, he knew. And then the other thing is, I, and this is a really cool one, I think, is Peter. It's such an interesting thing when Peter, um, the, the, a lot of people are disloyal to Jesus. So they're leaving. You know, he's teaching this thing about eating flesh and drinking blood and all yeah. the people are bailing on him. And so yeah, then he turns to his disciples. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter doesn't say, oh, no, Jesus, we're loyal to you. What does he say? He says, where else are we going to go? You're the ones that has words of eternal life. So he was loyal to the truth mm. more than loyal to Jesus. You, I'm going to stick with you. Not because you're Jesus, but because you have the words of eternal life. And so it, it was a, like a loyalty to the truth. And again, seeing that as the highest priority. Which is crazy because Jesus was the embodiment of truth, he was, but he didn't demand loyalty to himself. Right. Demand, I mean, that's, it made me think of the verse in Luke, uh, Luke 9, where it says, um, as they were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go, like commi- like committing his loyalty, right? Yeah. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Basically, you sure you want to do this, brother? And then to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first bury my father. And then Jesus says this wonderful hallmarky, beautiful hallmark, uh, loving <laughs> card. card phrase. He says, let the dead bury their dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And then another one says, I'll follow you, Lord. But as the, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. And Jesus says this, another wonderful hallmark encouragement uh-huh. phrase. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That does sound like a demand for loyalty, but it's more of a demand for total commitment to the cause, it sounds like, of truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and you think about the one time Peter did declare his loyalty. I will not forsake you. I will die for you. <laughs> that didn't go well. Didn't work well. Yeah. But then did Jesus say, you, you failed because you weren't loyal to me? Yeah. I mean, he went and gathered them all up. They all were disloyal. They all ran and hid and just were looking out for themselves, you know? And then he rounded them back up and sent them out to do what uh-huh. they're called to do. Yeah, and it's, so it's... If if there's anything to be loyal to, it would be the truth, and the truth is the Lord and God. So if your loyalty is first of all to the Father, then all these other priorities, it would seem, are going to fall into line a little better. Which is what got Israel throughout the Old Testament in trouble, is he's like, serve God, be loyal to me and only me. Mm-hmm. And then they started, you know, worshiping idols or you know doing things he had said not to do. And that's yeah. what always got them thrown into exile or, or kicked out of the, or, you know, handed over to their enemies Yeah, was, yeah, it was just not total loyalty, but it, right, you're right. It was loyalty to the father. That's the supreme loyalty. And even Jesus is loyal to the father at wow. the end yeah. when, when, when he has put all enemies under his feet and death is defeated, then he will even lay down the kingdom at the feet of the father so that the father may be all in all, which is amazing. I, it kind of rattles my Trinity theology a little bit, you know. 
I don't understand all that. Which is where it can get tricky because at some point the father in loyalty to him might ask you to do something that seems disloyal to the family that you're called to protect. Uh, well, like take your son out and offer him one. <laughs> I mean, Abraham. Precisely, yeah. 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 I mean, there's sometimes where the sacrifice you have to trust the loyalty to the father is. Well, I think when you're, you know, because I'm thinking of some examples where we've done some things that we thought, oh man, this is going to be hard on the kids or hard on the marriage or whatever, yeah. you know, but but we really sensed it was God and then we had confirmations, you know I mean? You don't just, well, I just heard this last night in a dream, so it's got to be yeah, God, yeah. you know? No, you take it step by step by step and you get confirmations and you get counsel and you get wisdom. And in my case, like our big move to Guatemala, you know, I, I told the Lord, I said, God, you know, unless Jan is on board, unless your mom is on board with this, uh, I'm not going to do it because it might be a timing issue. It may be something else. I could be hearing you wrong, but I need to know from her. That needs to be one of those in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be confirmed. It needed to be with her. Now, if, if the kids didn't want to go, that wasn't really part of their decision-making. Yeah. It'd be nice if they would. It'd be nice if you'd change their hearts, Lord. But, but with the wife, um, I'm going to go. You know, I need her to be on board with this for us to make that decision that looked like it could have been damaging to the family, harmful to the family. So there are relationships that require more loyalty. Um, oh, yeah, one, one of, but, uh, So I'm thinking about the story of um, David and Jonathan, mm-hmm. how loyal they were to each other, even, even Jonathan going behind his own father's back mm-hmm. to warn David. Yeah, and I think the reason for that was because, again, he had a loyalty to a higher cause. Mm-hmm. His loyalty immediately to what is right, a loyalty to the truth. Mm-hmm. And the loyalty was, the reason he was going behind him is because David said, your dad's trying to kill me. He says, no, he's not. Well, yeah, he is. Go find out. And so he found out. And so he was loyal to the truth. And that's kind of what, I, you know, what I see with David. We're told in Romans 13, you know, submit to the government, submit to the authorities. Yeah, which, which, I mean, this this comes home right now because there's a lot of people with the mandates and different things like that. They're going, uh, okay, so it's loyalty to the state, like, what yeah. if I don't agree with the guy running the state? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's not the point. It doesn't matter if you agree to them or not. It says submit to, but submission doesn't always require obedience. Mm. And, and, and sometimes you can be obedient and yet be unsubmissive. Which, I mean, David's story is an example of that. Basically, the state, the king, mm-hmm. came after him. Yeah. And when he had an opportunity to wreak vengeance on the state, he wouldn't raise a hand against Saul. Right, yeah. And I think the reason for that is, uh, and going back to the submission thing, though, you, you can be submissive and yet be disobedient, and you can be unsubmissive. You can be rebellious and still obey. It's the old story of the little boy. The dad says, sit down. He says, he says no. He says, sit down. So the little boy sits down. He says, well, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's not <laughs> submission. Rebellion. You yeah. know, that's rebellion, even yeah. though he was obedient. And so you may have to disobey but you can do it in a submissive attitude. And that's where, where um, like Paul, you know, he, or, or the disciples, they said, look, we have to obey God. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't rail at him. You're going to hell, you priests and you Pharisees. You're going, you know, they said, no, we just have to obey God. And so in a submissive way. And in the same way, I think one of the reasons David never really uh, you know, he was a man of war. I mean, he, he thought nothing of taking a city and slaughtering all the people of the Philistines and all that. But I think he never saw Saul as his enemy. Mm-hmm. Even though Saul saw him as an enemy, he saw him as a part of the family of God and, and God's anointed who God had put there. And so he, he, that's why he could, 
he had to flee from him. He couldn't always obey. He had to get out of the way and just take off. But he never really rebelled against Saul. And the one time he sort of did when he cut off Saul's robe there, you know, he, he, he repented. He realized this is wrong. This is wrong. So, I don't, so he, again, he wasn't loyal necessarily to Saul, I don't believe. I believe it was a loyalty to a higher cause, a loyalty to the Father. And that's why he didn't attack Saul because he is God's anointed Mm. So I'm loyal to God. God's the one who put him there. As long as God puts him there, I'm loyal to the Father's choice. So you can, even when it seems like you're being disloyal, it's important to do it in the right spirit. Yeah, if you have to be, if you have to disobey, yeah. you can still do it in a submissive spirit. And that's where you, you maybe appeal to the authority. Hey, is there any way, what is it you're trying to accomplish here? Is there a way that we can try to accomplish that? For example, and man, I don't even want to get into the, vaccinations and all that stuff. But, you know, what is it you're trying to accomplish here? And if you have a reasonable authority and you feel like you just can't do it, what is it you're trying to accomplish? You're trying to accomplish not spreading the the virus or whatever. Is there some other way we can accomplish that? Um, if you had a reasonable authority working with that, they'd say, well, you know, if you've got, in fact, I heard of a, a, a business where if, if you could show that you'd had the COVID virus and you had the antibodies, great. You don't need to take the vaccine to continue working or whatever, you know. So, so the point is that, yeah, sometimes you may have to disobey, but yeah. you can still do it in a submissive attitude. That, that, that reminds me of, the, you know, the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which were actually their, yeah. their pagan names. Is, was it Azariah, Mishael, and something or other else was their real names. Mm-hmm. But they had an unbending authority that said, we can't, mm-hmm. there's no way. There's no other things we can work out. You've got to do what I say. And they're like, well, we have, we, there's no, we can't, do that can't for do you. it okay sorry but we'll take the consequences yes yeah, so we'll take the consequences and they did it quite you know humbly quietly mm-hmm. um they were disloyal to the state uh which they were never it's interesting because they were they all that time were refugees you know of of israel living they were picked out given a prime position really because of their mm-hmm. their education their intelligence but all that time they saw themselves as having a higher loyalty even when they were in, but yet they were loyal to that king. I mean, it says they served him well. They did yeah. their best to obey. But when it came time to who's your biggest loyalty to? That's is that it, prioritized loyalty. The prioritized loyalty. Is it, yeah, we're going to serve the king because, I mean, God, God obviously has put us here. We don't like being in captivity, yeah. but we're going to do our best. But then when it came time, push came to shove, they said, sorry, king, we, we're, we've been, we live in your little world here, but we have a higher loyalty to a, a higher standard. And, and that's where sometimes the the willingness to sacrifice has to come in because you've got to let go of those things that um, back to that pa- you know, that pastor that was talking about how loyal he was to to his boss and to the board. Mm-hmm. If they're asking you to do things that are detrimental to your family in the long run, um, I mean, I think about it this way. This maybe it's too simplistic, but ch- the church is your job at the church is going to come and go, but your family is your family. <laughs> forever, right? Yeah. And so the price you may be paying right now, sacrificing, I put that in air quotes, for the church, what you're actually sacrificing is your family. And that seems to me as your your higher priority because that is the direct ministry God has put in front of you. And yeah. the churches will come and go. Your family is going to be with you forever. And you may end up regretting how the family responds in the end to yeah. how it, and, and, and unfortunately it's, Probably not anybody to blame but you. I mean, your kids got to learn how to, you know, 
forgive and let it go. But right. you had a big part in that. I remember hearing one pastor, he was one of those workaholics at the church and doing everything to make the church grow all the time. You know, just, and again, ignoring his family. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, you know, I already died for my church. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, chill out. You can take it easy. I'll take care of this thing. I'll build this thing. So what do you think are some signs that your loyalty is out of, um, your your loyalty is as um, out of balance. Out of balance, yeah, yeah. Like you're you're being too loyal to something. Well, it's kind of like your tire. If you have a tire that's out of balance, you're going to feel it wobbling a little bit. And if yeah. your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, if they're kind of wobbling a little bit, um, they may not say anything. Yeah, you know, because maybe you've guilted them before. Well, honey, this is God. You know, I'm serving yeah. God, you know. Yeah, well, this is, this is the price we pay for being in the ministry. You knew this when you married me. Yeah, things of that yeah, nature. So, that so they may not say anything, but you'll still sense the wobble. Yeah. You know, you'll feel the shaking and the, and the instability. And, and basically, you know, I think Scripture says a, a sad wife is a, uh, uh, an insult to a husband. I don't remember the exact how the passage goes, but it's a, a rebuke to a husband. A sad wife is a rebuke to a husband. Uh, that's a big one, guys. I don't like that passage, and you don't find it on too many memory verse cards, but <laughs> yeah. it's in there. <laughs> Another one that's not on a Hallmark uh, <laughs> yeah. A mug, yeah. Yeah, but if, you know, if your wife is just miserable in it, you know, man, you need to you need to focus on her. That's a great again, point. Because again, as you said, she'll be there. Your, and your loyalty to your job. If, you're, if, you're, if your job is making your wife miserable, yeah. then you something needs to be evaluated. Yeah. Uh, whatever the job is. And many yeah, exactly, whatever the job is. And many times we may be afraid to let go of it because of our own insecurity. Mm-hmm. And it really is a lack of faith. Okay, God, this thing is destroying my family. This thing's hurting my family. You know, when we first uh went to Guatemala, actually I told Jan anytime I said, "Look, anytime a ministry is damaging our relationship, I'm out of there." Mm. You know, not I never had to make good on that, you might say, but I would have. Yeah. Because again, as you said, Hey, she's, if I do it right, she's going to be with me till the end. Yeah. The ministries come and go and I can, I can get a job doing, you know, something else, you know, who knows what, you know, but I can, I can find something else to do to pay the bills. Which that's a pretty noble thing to say. I left the ministry to give my family. I remember talking to a pastor one time, he was an associate pastor at a mega church and I saw him one day and I was like, Hey man, I heard you're not working there anymore. I was like, well, what happened? He's like, well, right now it's, Saturday evening and I'm hanging out with my family at a restaurant and it was a church that had Saturday evening service. So he was committed, you know, every Saturday and Sunday. And he's like, it was just too much of a cost on my family. And I figured I'm not going to do it. And he's like, and then I went and realized I could make way more money working a secular job anyways. So he's like, but a lot of people, because they would get so much identity from ministry as this, this thing of loyalty to the Lord through ministry, you, you can really miss it very quickly um, because you're so obsessed with it. You don't want to give that up. Again, you don't want to sacrifice that. And instead, there's always something's always got to be sacrificed for what's most important. Yeah, and, and it somehow, may be your it may end up being your family, which is a bad sacrifice. Right. And I think part of that is somehow we feel like ministry is more spiritual. Right. I'm more godly if I'm sacrificing for ministry. Yeah. You know, and really, when you stand before the Lord. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. When you stand before him, what are the questions he's going to ask you? Well, how big did that church grow? Yeah. You know, how, or how big did your business get and at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. what cost? Yeah. And, and those aren't the questions he's going to ask. You know, he's going to be looking at relationships. He's going to be looking at how did you treat those people that I put into your life? Right. You know, and, and all the tasks and stuff, which is very North American, Western mentality centric, but the rest of the world is more focused on relationships and, and 
that's where your true treasure is in relationships. And, and it's a more biblical perspective too. So loyalty should always be evaluated on the importance of the relationship in your life. The virtuousness of what you're loyal to, mm. which that, that, that should be a given. But then also, yeah, the priority. And then secondly, the priority. Am I being loyal to the most important things or am I, am I chasing after the pot of, what's that, the message of pottage of message, <laughs> whatever, whatever uh, Jacob did. Oh yeah. Uh, to, to fool Esau. What's that called? Mess of pottage? Was it the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? No, it was not that. I, I was closer <laughs> with the pot of message. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the mess of pottage, whatever. That's the King James yeah. version. So in short, loyalty is only a virtue when you are, it is in the name of loyalty to the father who is the source of all truth. And then there's everything is prioritized in, yeah. in his, in the order of how he's, what he says is most important under him. There you go. Which typically is him and then your family. We could have said that right at the start and saved this whole podcast. We could have. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want more information from Joel or Rick, you can visit joelmalm.com or rickmalm.com. Please consider leaving a review of the podcast. 